Hello, and welcome to season two of our podcast, The Midnight Ramblings. I'm Jenny Silberstein, and I'm with my dear friend from Ledoux Junior High, Carrie Ofstein Rosenthal. If you are joining us for the first time and you're wondering what this is all about, Carrie and I are two menopausal friends who can no longer sleep at night. So we decided the best thing to do would be to create a podcast about what we and others think about when we can't sleep. So, as we like to say, let's get ready to ramble. <laughs> Good, Andy. So that was Andy Milner. Uh, he is our guest today. Uh, he received his BFA from the University of Michigan in painting and sculpture in 1989. Milner worked through the 90s as a union scenic artist, painting scenery for theater, TV, and movies in St. Louis, Chicago, and New York. He transitioned to a fine artist in 2000 and has since had more than 56 group exhibitions and over 15 solo exhibitions at numerous galleries across the country. His current art practice began in 2004 when he took his laptop outdoors and began drawing trees and plants by hand with a digital pen. His most recent show at the William Shearburn Gallery in St. Louis entitled Floating World collages together the individual digital plant drawings he has made over the last 15 years into large-scale fantastical landscapes. His work can be found in the collections of the St. Louis Art Museum, the Museum of Fine Arts Boston, the Microsoft Collection, the Bank of America Corporate Collection, the Gramercy Tavern in New York, New York, the Peninsula Hotel Hong Kong, and the Wharton School of Business, among others. He lives in St. Louis with his wife and two sons. Welcome, Andy Milner. Welcome. Thank you, Carrie. Thanks, Jenny. Thanks for having me. Of course. And Andy, we're going to ask you what we like to ask people on this podcast. What do you think about when you can't sleep? Well, that's a that's a, a pertinent question. Um, but I think this counts. I, I fall asleep, like, immediately. Like, uh, my wife can't believe, like, I'm in mid-sentence and I fall asleep immediately, but I do wake up at any time and then can't go back to sleep. So I think that that totally, that totally counts. counts. <laughs> that counts. Um, that counts on here. And it does it does dovetail into something that I have been thinking about, which is um, that I okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna start with just my secret to life. Okay. Ooh. So yeah, I'm just going right for it. So the go secret, in. I think, <laughs> go in. On. I think the secret to a successful life is is trying to identify um, what each chapter in your life is about and what's the best use of that time for that chapter. Um, and I, when I knew you, Carrie, in high school, I thought that we were just kids and then we were adults, and it was almost like two monolithic time periods. But now, having lived through this life, I've understood that you know, we're always evolving and changing and um, things are changing all the time. And it's a challenge to to adjust to those changes and what remains and what stays and what to keep and what to change. And and so I, I'm 54 and my sleep has changed a lot. And I've... Um, I've thought that I shouldn't think of it as bad sleep. I just think of it as different sleep. And my challenge is what I think about is what am I going to do with this time that I never had before and how should I use it? 
and I haven't been very, I haven't figured it out exactly, but I think I've arrived. So what I think about is, is how to use this time. Cause I'm just awake. And, um, it's usually like four or five in the morning. And, um, I, I mean, with the, the last two years of COVID and all, we've had different coping mechanisms and, um, I've turned to, uh, we've watched a lot of TV and we've drank a lot of alcohol and we've had a lot of fires outside. Um, but I, I haven't been reading as much. And so this is what I'm going to start doing, I think in the morning. Um, so long answer short, uh, I think about what I should use this time for. And I've decided I'm going to start reading a little bit more. Um, but you know, of course I think about everything. I think about, um, uh, you know, the, you know, how to best use this time is, um, like, I think when I turned 50, the big question was like what to keep and what to change. Like, are you going to just keep these components, you know, and ride these out for a while? Um, or are you going to make any big changes? And I think I have always, I've always, thought this way and I've always added some things without realizing it and and things are always evolving like um I started playing music like at 45 you know like stuff like that so Wait, you played um, it much younger didn't you you were a big harmonica player as I recall yeah so I played harmonica um I always wanted to play a, a musical instrument um and later in life I found out that my father's family was musical he didn't grow up with his family, and so we didn't know. But I always tried to play the piano or different things without much success. And the harmonica was something I could just, I just picked up in college, and I, I did play. And then I played with a blues band uh, in St. Louis after college. But I, I, um, when I was, when I was 45, I, for some reason, I felt like I could learn the guitar and uh, YouTube and all of this um, technology made it much more accessible. And I was motivated by um, thinking about as a kid in summer camp, I loved the counselors that played music. Um, and I thought I could learn those songs and play those for my kids like at bedtime. And that was my initial goal was just to, I remembered these songs like Johnny Cash and Bob Dylan and uh, they were all deadheads. And, um, and so I learned some of those songs, John Pine. And, um, and so that's been a nice new thing. And it, it's been a nice um, compliment to the visual art. I feel like when the visual art is stalling, I can turn to that. And it's almost like I think of it as, like when your field is fallow and you plant a cover crop, like the music can be kind of like a cover crop while yeah. I'm letting the art percolate a little bit. So I remember um, when my wife and I got married, I was like 32, I think. Um, we, personally, we lived together at first and then we got married and I liked that it was, it was really palpable. What, what was the difference of living together like the living together, the sharing of the stuff, like what furniture was going to stay, what wasn't, and then getting married, it was nice to kind of isolate those variables. And when we got married, I really could tell what was different about that. 
Um, and I feel like since then, I have been more cognizant of it. I think I, I was kind of a late bloomer and um, was not that cognizant of these things and, and, and didn't know who I was for quite a while, um, I think until my 30s. And so then once I felt like I knew who I was, um, then I felt like, like I actually turned to drawing on the computer because I had babies and I didn't think I could just go to my studio as much. And what could I do at home? And so I could work on the computer at home. And I think that that represents sort of the, what I'm talking about is like, what is available and what is no longer available and how best to optimize, you know, what is available. It's interesting because you said the secret to life. Do you really mean that it's a secret to life or <laughs> just what happens in your life? Yeah, well, I, I just think it's a sort of a smart strategy. Um, and then furthermore, I think it applies to what present we all are living in and what's best use of the time of this present, you know, um, and I think about that in my work a lot. And I think that's why I have, you know, I think we, we have an interesting position where we grew up pre-digital in an analog world. Um, and now we live in a digital one. And um, I think that's perhaps why I'm interested in jumping back and forth between those two. Mm. So different, um, you know, the physical world and the, the virtual world. Um, so, and I, I think that, I don't know if you all feel this way, but it feels as if the world is changing more quickly almost. And um, and so what is the same, what is different? And uh, I think that's what art tends to investigate is like, what is what does it mean to be human today? And how is it the same as 10,000 years ago or 50 years ago or 10 years ago? And, and what is different? Well, so that's that. That I think is, is part of that thinking of, of, you know, optimization or 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 just a, um, the frame of reference for creating a um, plan of action. You know, it's very, to me what's so interesting is when I was I was saying this before the um, we started recording, but I was looking at the floating world. But you talk about how it's like all of this drawing you've done over all of these years. And then you have this sort of negative space in the middle of that. It's so interesting in terms of what you're talking about, because what you're talking about is looking at all the things that are happening in your life, which is like, let's say that's equivalent to the different drawings from different periods. And I'm assuming that's what it is. You've taken these drawings that you've amassed over the 10, 20 years that you've been doing this, and you put them together in kind of a collage. And then you take out the negative space and that's a figure. And is that figure in your mind like where you are in the middle of all of the stuff that has happened or, or what? Talk to yeah, me. Yeah, I have the same question about the negative space. That's a good question. No, that's, and uh, thanks for looking at that so closely. Um, yeah, I mean, one thing that I really enjoyed about making things is that they do act as sort of like these artifacts. Like I leave these artifacts of what I was thinking about and, um, and what I have really enjoyed about this new work is, is um, I had always thought I, of using these things in a bigger work. Uh, like I think of them like a railroad set, like different 
um, you know, plants and trees and benches and people and, and, uh, they're all individually made, but then you can combine them into a landscape. And you're right that each of those things I had drawn over these years individually, and they do record literally, um, what I was looking at and I w- actual moment of looking and drawing. So each of those plants was a moment of me looking at this living thing that is no longer here, most likely, and preserving it as an outline in that moment. And I think one of the things that is most powerful about these new things is that they act as like a battery or repository of all that time of, of looking and drawing. And, and I like that the process created that opportunity that I, I couldn't have done that like on a single piece of paper like kept a piece of paper and drawn it over all these times that the, the digitalness allowed for those drawings, like a perennial plant to come back and um, sort of reanimate, you know, come back to life in, in these, in these new pieces. Now the figure. um, So I, I, I just had this idea in mind that I wanted to use the gallery as um, a landscape, like I, I wanted to, I think you carry as a writer um, can understand like going from a short story to a novel, um, you know, you want to broaden the scale and, and connect more than one idea, you know, maybe a few ideas. And I've wanted to do that in, in exhibitions. I feel like that's what exhibitions are for is, is, a, is the opportunity to, create a whole world. And, um, and I thought, wouldn't it be amazing to have the world sort of appear around the room within these, these canvases. And, and then I thought, um, this all, it's, it's hard to sort of remember the order of these, these thoughts, you know, um, just to go back, just, I mean, I'll, I'll answer where the figures came from, but, um, my family and I, we did go to Japan like uh, three years ago. Maybe it was four years ago now. And um, I had always wanted to go to Japan, but um, I was really inspired by a lot of what I saw. But most just simply is that all artists from wherever they are, from whatever time, are trying to sort of solve similar problems. And, and they devise means of depicting, you know, the world and my work doesn't have light and shadow. It's just made up of line and pattern. And, uh, and a lot of these, the, the most common, uh, well, the most historic Japanese wood block prints, um, is, is this group of work called Yukio-A, which it actually means pictures of the floating world. But, um, it was a technological invention in which these wood block prints, um, allowed multicolor printing, and it was kind of like the Gutenberg Bible, you know, allowed the Bible to be owned by no longer just the wealthy. And um, it was, you know, it was like the Internet. That might be a jump, but it was a popular <laughs> a popular means or Instagram. You know, it was a means of disseminating images. Um, and I just loved um, the color and the the variety of form and the depiction of space and, um, and, you know, Europeans 
like Japan opened after being closed for a long time and European artists like Van Gogh and Klimt and, um, you know, they went wild over these Japanese prints like I did in which they, um, I actually saw a show of Van Gogh in Japan and, you know, it's very easy to see like solid color and, um, uh, you know, contrasting density of form with, with just solid colors. But anyway, so I, I came back and, um, I, I want, and I, the idea of the floating world was Japan had come out of this period of, of war and, um, strife and they were in a, a, a new found era, era of prosperity and a growing middle class. And this floating world depicted all of these pleasures of this, not exactly actual world, but, um, what life could be, I guess. Um, and I like that analogy with my work that this work, it, it all comes from actual living things, but it's no longer those things. It's its own thing. And so it's this parallel world. And then I was like, who lives in this parallel world? Um, and I like the idea of the figure being defined by the landscape instead of um, traditionally like the landscape being the background to the figure. Mm -hmm. so like, yeah. Actually, like, like Mona Lisa um, has a beautiful landscape behind it. Like it, it's an epic painting in itself. Mm -hmm. And um, and so this I feel like is the beginning in which I don't know really who these people are, um, but I like the idea that they that their presence is made by the absence of of the landscape. And it also came about by. Um, a previous body of work was about the Rose Parade in Pasadena, which I made these really brightly colored, um, large scale paintings with thick acrylic paint. And it was actually at the opening where people were standing in front of the work and they eclipsed those patterns, just like the people do in this new work. And I think that gave me the idea. I really liked the idea that, um, that the, that a body, um, is simple compared to all the leaves of a tree and creates this blank space. And I like that blank spaces are sort of opportunities for things to happen. Just so that it, I don't know if it's me. I don't think it's me necessarily as these blank spaces, but I, I, I'm excited to find out who these, these people are. And I'm not sure yet. I think these figures from our from our psyche or from our unconscious become more clear and become more concretized as we can define, you know, um, who we are, you know, what we're drawn to, what we love. Slowly, I think we become more crystallized in 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 who we are in our identity. I, I, I think it ties into like when I first wanted to make artwork. Um, as Carrie said, I was working as a scenic artist. I wanted to make artwork. But you can't just start like being a, an artist and, and making it full time. It, it starts slowly. But I think how it starts, and I, I think a lot of people don't understand this, and I think we all do this in our lives, is that, you know, you've seen artist studios where they pin things that they like on the wall. You know, people do that in Pinterest now, like a Pinterest board. They pin stuff that they like on the wall. 
Um, and it's only in hindsight that you can see who you are exactly, in a way, yeah. you know, right? And uh, and so I think that that, like what you said, makes perfect sense. It's what he said at the beginning. It's sort of identifying the chapter and the best use of time in that chapter. I mean, is is the blank space right now, you know, reading or music or, because I keep thinking about, you know, you call it like negative space in these paintings, but what's interesting is you've made a very specific choice about what is the negative space, right? So where where to put that figure is a choice and what what that figure becomes is a choice. And so it's interesting that the very first thing you said is the secret to life is identifying the sort of best use for this specific mm. time. And then I was saying the sort of artwork that you're doing is sort of doing that. It's sort of like, is the negative space reading? Is the negative space music? Is the negative, you know, sort of, is it mm -hmm. what? Because you're making choices in what that negative space is. I do think in analogies, and and one thing when you keep saying, you know, about this this negative space in this in these pieces, I I have thought often about those when we used to go on road trips as kids. You would have this little game that was made up of all these tiles, a puzzle of all these sliding tiles and one's missing, right? And uh, one needs to be missing for you to be able to move them around. Um, and I like that idea that we need space, you know, in order for to shake things up or to move things. Um, and that space might be, you know, that, that area in the landscape that's not filled in yet. Right. That um, is, is about to be, um, and, and maybe that's the living edge, you know, like this living edge that we all experience. Um, so I don't know, you know, I mean, in terms of this work, I feel like those figures are specifically about this body of work, but I think all bodies of work are about themselves and then, have seeds of, of future work. And so I think that they are sort of complete in themselves in this work, but then in another sense, I think of them as kind of placeholders for future figures that I, that, that I say I'm not sure who they are, or maybe they will be me. So my question to you, Andy, is do you find these placeholders scary or you know these identifying new moments in your life scary or do you find them exciting or both or something else um no i, I are you speaking about the figures in the work or just in my life like, i'm talking about your life i'm using yeah. I, i've already i've already merged your art and, and the <laughs> okay. life is identifying yeah. I, I can't separate them now so that's just happening <laughs> <laughs> so now well, I'm talking about you. Well, for example, um, so our oldest son just started college, and um, and this this might be just a coping mechanism. I mean, of course, it's a coping mechanism, but so it was. You know, there was a sadness. There was a kind of a mourning of of the end of of you know a certain form of childhood to have him leave our home. Um, and I did have like a pit in my stomach for weeks, but I feel really fortunate. He, he calls a lot and, um, and I think it, it, 
substantiates what I'm saying that it really feels like it's a new chapter that um, it's just, we, and it's exciting. Like you say, it's exciting to know what will this new relationship be? Um, what will my relationship be as more adults? Um, he's not exactly an adult. It's like this, this is totally new. This is a totally new chapter. I keep using the word chapter and that's exciting. It is like coming over the crest of a hill and it's a whole new valley to explore that you hadn't been before. And, and there's a lot of elements that remain, but then there's, there's new ones and new people to meet and new experiences to experience. And, and so I, I definitely like that idea of I love, um, I love your analogy yeah. of that game because I, or maybe Jenny said it or you said it someone brilliant in this in this room besides me said it that that the it's idea Andy. That, <laughs> the idea that the space that that you, the space is necessary in order for the things to move and that it's almost like if you try not to move if you if you fill that space by trying to keep everything like locked Static. Then you can't yeah. get to the new, and so it's almost like when your son, when you talk about your son going to college, had you not allowed the space for that pit in your stomach and for it to to start to morph, now it, it can move into what it's meant, you know, to the next chapter. So it's really interesting that um, you put it like that. I, I really, I'm I'm a big fan of this little game analogy. We need to find the name of that game. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, well, yeah, I um. It definitely makes you feel me feel a lot better about the whole thing. Sounds <laughs> like you felt pretty good about it. Yeah, yeah. I there's just you know, there's more of a fluid aspect to life. Um, I guess what what's next for you, like in terms of the the chapter, what what's moving, what's coming up for you that you see seedlings of how how could that space morph into something else now that your son's in college and. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, work-wise, I am I am really excited and happy that, first of all, that I have pursued kind of a life project that I could continue pursuing as I get older um, and build upon. And so, I'm excited to see what this new work is going to look like. It it has the potential to. I want to make it even grander and and. Um, and and um, and bring in even more of the different work that I've I've made. Um, so I'm excited for that. We know that life is always changing, and it's like a, a moving river of time, right? That and we're moving through it. And so in relationships, that there's it's always in flux, isn't it? And um, yes. and it's it's it takes courage, I guess, to it's always a temptation to want to freeze things and hold things and, yes. and keep them as they, as they are. You know, we are creatures of habit and we like routine and it scares us to move into that sort of newness and negative space because mm-hmm. um, if we're married for many years or if our children are, you know, a certain age and we, we want to hold on to those things because they're, they're, they're very long placeholders. And, and, and I've seen, you know, marriages that continue way longer than they probably should just because of that reason, because people are 
afraid or they, they, they don't want to change things or they think there's some final fictional goal that they have to reach, you know, before they change things. It really is. The question is, um, the negative space negative, is it empty or is it a form? And it's really how you see that negative space. Is it, is it nothing? Is it just nothingness, um, taken out of your life or is it something emerging from your life? And it's really like what you see with that. And then it, it's funny because it reminds me of, I had this art teacher when I was in grad school, I took a painting class and, um, and he, he, we were, I was painting and he goes, you know what the best part of your painting is? And it was oil painting at the time. And he's like, right there, right there in the middle. See that little house thing you did? That's the very best thing. He goes, so watch. And he took black paint and he just like, <laughs> like smashed right over it. He goes, now paint. And I was like, that is fucking amazing. That is amazing. That is wow. so, um, that's life. Like you have to be willing to just, just slap black paint over the precious part. And in a way, that's what your work is, is sort of saying to me. I was just thinking of this whole idea um, of uh, the, what you were saying, the negative space is stillness. And I, I meditate a lot and I tell my clients too. But out of stillness and out of nothingness is really like what you, the true lessons come, right? Out of, because out of that stillness, and if you didn't have that, that white space or that neg negative space or that those moments where you're just quieting the mind, um, a lot of it feels very chaotic. And I think people get used to the chaos. They get used to the social media and the every moment of every single day being filled up by the landscape, right? But if you don't go inward and really intentionally create that, um, then you're missing out on delving into your soul really and just like excavating out you know who you really are i love that you said about you called it white space and and also carrie yeah i don't think of it as negative space um, i mean that's like the most common way to depict you know um in art but i think of it as positive space but but jenny you saying white space um it reminded me of one of the things i was really excited about which is that those figures are not white they they are the color of the paper, you know, the, the paper is white. And what I loved in a lot of Chinese work, Japanese work, that the paper is the white. And, and so the sky and the figure is sort of made out of the same thing, that the space surrounding all of the depicted objects is this one thing, which I think ties into meditation and, and, um, what you're talking about that, um, Hmm. You know, that trend, you know, I think the idea of meditation or one idea is to sort of get out of the ego and, and transcend yourself as an isolated individual. And so I think that there is something that resonates with that, with this work, that figure and the, the, the sky um, is the same thing, you know, hmm. um, it's made out of the same thing. And I wouldn't call the sky negative space. You know, I think that just because the figure is delineated into this, you know, this um, shape, um, it feels like it could be called negative, but I think it's a positive shape that happens to be white. So how do you figure out what that positive space is going to be? How do you, among all of, like, is that, 
much like with your art, something just moves you or like, how do you pick that spot? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, in, in this work, I, I did start collecting figures. Um, I would take pictures of things and I just started collecting figures that I was drawn to and how they communicated just with gesture, like even without faces or, or, or features, um, they still communicated a presence. And, um, and so that's what I was excited about was that just their in stillness, just their posture in the world, um, had energy about it. And I like that idea of, of sort of, I know I've used a lot of analogies already, but, um, I love the feeling <laughs> love of, analogies. Uh, yeah, I love the feeling of like riding your bike and, not and you're 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 on your bike perfectly still but you're coasting you know down the street and that feeling of being still but moving through time right. and space um i think heightens the reality of that that you know you could be running down a field but you're distracted i will say that it's not all peaches and cream you know that um <laughs> i uh well, of course not. <laughs> no, we know that that. I, that I go through long periods of 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 struggle, and it's it's uncomfortable in t- in terms of trying to figure out what these things should look like. And so, I, I don't want you know to to make it sound like it's it's like easy or or natural. Like, but maybe like how we started, where I've just des- I've decided to think of my sleep as changing instead of bad. Um, that uh, I've thought of in kind of a it, fall tends to be really difficult like to go from summer to fall um, I often sort of struggle with and I do too and my husband yeah. loves fall and I'm like it's yeah. such a depressing thing <laughs> <Come on. laughs> um, and also when I, I just showed some of this work and and no matter how much I try showing the work acts as kind of a punctuation mark it it kind of ends it like you know I'm in it and making it and then showing it is really important and I get so much out of it but it acts as a a stop and and you know because I'm no longer um in the thing I'm I'm reflecting about the thing and um and so then it, it, it's sort of the process has to re, have a restart and I tend to straighten everything and um, organize everything. And maybe that's like nesting. Um, and um, I'm doing that now, but, um, and then you, well, I, I think what I wanted to say was just that I've decided that the uncomfortable part of not knowing what you're doing is actually the beginning of the creative part. Like the creative part isn't when you figured it out and you're just going great guns and making everything. That's an ask. That's a component of it. That's a part of it. But um, being in an unstable place, you know, just to make things neat and tidy in our conversation is maybe this, a lot of opportunity, right? It's a lot of open space. You're not, you're floating in it. Um, it's uncomfortable. You know, you don't know where you are. You don't know what you're doing. Um, you're upset that you're not making use of your time. 
um, or you think it's a waste of time. Um, but I think that I'm trying to um, understand that that's just a part of it too. I think yeah. when, it's interesting because when I we were using the term negative space and then you said, but it really is a positive space. And I think it is both because there are times to your point, for me anyway, I mean, I can't speak for you, but I, I feel like for me, there are times when it's a scary void. And then there are times where it is a form, a figure of, of power and and what's come, what's to come. And so I think uh, sort of allowing it to be both it, at least for me, allows allows for that growth. Or allow, again, back to your game. It's it's the thing that it's it, the very scary thing is the thing that allows you to move. You know, well, it's, yeah, it's both yeah. and right and right. It, and um, like I've heard I've heard um, adolescents describe like this that when you are in that amorphous space you do need to be tethered to some things and like, it's important what you choose to anchor yourself and sometimes your partner or, you know, the things that are fixed give you the courage to, to, um, to take more risks. Like, I, I think that that's also in play, like um, what you can gain some security from um, to allow you to take more risks in other places. Okay, um, I, know I, I have yeah. to just say this. I mean, like, let's just, okay, so your artwork, all of this stuff you've drawn over the past 15 years tethers you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? And then there's this empty, I mean, come on, man. It's just right there. <laughs> I'm an open book. I did some picking <laughs> right out of the park. It's just, no, okay. it's, I think. How much, do I owe you, how much do I owe you two for this? <laughs> I think we owe you. Uh, you you owe us one of your paintings, Andy. Yeah. I, okay, you there know, you go. I know that there you just go. give those away, so you know we'll just take <laughs> one, no problem. Um, but it's it's so funny, Andy. Just as an aside, I have a picture that Andy gave me. I don't know when you were like, I'm thinking I was right out of college or grad school, and it was like this. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's the picture of like a dog on a toilet. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing. I love this. Do you know what I'm talking about? I, I yeah I'm, I would like to see it because I can't pick. Okay, it. I will go get it. I'll be okay, right back. Okay. Oh my god, okay, she's okay, actually going to in real time go to get it. Oh wow. Okay, there it is. There's the picture. Describe what it is, Carrie. I can't because I'm not looking at it. I believe it's like a little. Oh yeah, it's a, it's a like a hobby. It's hard to see because there's a glare on it. Is that something that you painted? Yeah. Um, Do you remember it, Andy? Yeah, I remember. I remember it a bit. I mean, it's from, yeah. Uh, I mean, ago. yeah, it was probably from like 1990. Yeah, something like um, that. Although, yeah. What did did I? Would you say I was there an occasion I gave that to you for? Was no, it? I think I said I liked it, and you're like, take it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good occasion. I guess you didn't like it that much, is what I'm thinking. I'm right. Well, thinking. yeah. Well, <laughs> it, it's interesting. I was just saying that to Andy that. You know, out he was saying out of that chaos or uncomfortable feelings when you're sometimes the most creative and that you have to anchor yourself to. Um, oftentimes, it feels good if you anchor yourself to something that either a partner or something known, so that the uncomfortable times you 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 feel grounded in some way. Um, because I think when everything becomes untethered, people start feeling really 
really uncomfortable. Um, And I, I'm sorry, I just have to say one thing to that because it is so critical. So like when my daughter, for example, is afraid of something and then she is no longer afraid, I'm always like, you have to remember that time you were afraid to get on the bus and you got on the bus. And to me, what you, you were talking about anchoring, anchoring ourselves to other people, but it's really like you have to anchor yourself to your own history and to what you have heretofore gotten through and, and made happen because that's where your real strength comes from. It's like you look at all that old artwork and you're like, I don't know what's gonna be in this space right here, but I know I did all this and I know I'm capable of it. And so I'm gonna be okay. Does that inspire you, Andy? Like that you you were uncomfortable, you you didn't know how this was all gonna play out and it, it has in this way. Does that, like, what does that make you feel about yourself and about your, does that make you have trust in yourself or like, what is that like? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, I think it's given me more and more trust in myself. Um, but um, it, it's also, I think, allowed me to recognize sort of what time scales I'm operating on. They're longer than oftentimes I want or, or maybe I'm comfortable with, but kind of like pinning on the wall after in retrospect, watching what has occurred, I, I understand that I, I, it's like this slow subconscious river and I want it to sometimes move faster, but you can't, it's just kind of like its own time. Um, you could try to, I try to work more, but oftentimes that doesn't even, um, produce more results, you know? So I feel like it, but it, it does make me, um, I am comforted in hindsight thinking about things I hadn't been sure of that turned out. And um, I have more faith in, in um, I guess, myself. Just like, even if I don't know, I think there is a part of me that might know more than I think. And I should trust trust that. Well, um, yeah. Oh, I was just going to say the, the tethering thing is it's interesting because this is, it's so concrete at the moment. Um, so I happen to be, um, out in Colorado right now alone and I spend so much time alone. Um, work, I, I work by myself, like most kind of nine to five type of a thing. I'm like literally by myself. Sometimes I don't talk. I talk to just a handful of people. So it's very different than most people's experience, but, and I'm very comfortable being alone. But I don't like being alone here now. Um, and it, it's interesting. It made me realize I think I'm comfortable being alone during the day because I have a, a wife and a home and, you know, a family to come home to. And I think that that allows me, it's, it's like, you know, the spaceship and you go out on the tether, like if you didn't have the capsule to come back into, it'd be cold. those images of people like tethered on the spaceship they freak me the fuck (laughs) out i mean i see that and i'm like what what if that little tether just breaks wait like you just don't do that you just don't go out into the ether like that i don't know sorry i just had to say that go on well i think that when you are untethered and you you are coming back to sort of this coldness, so so to speak. Um, either 
this is what the most important thing is. It's, it's really about your mindset, you know, because many people will tell me from one day to the next, they're filled with fear. And then the next week they're like, great, you know, and, or, you know, and, and a lot of it is like, well, what happened? What, what is, what shifted today? And it's a, it's a moment by moment choice, you know, to either go with fear or, or faith or hope. And wouldn't you say, I mean, your relationships with others are much better if you have that relationship with your soul or yourself? hundred percent. People spending time alone and really getting to know who they are and, and developing, that, developing that part of themselves makes for the best relationships. You don't have anything you're shooting for, then that too provides the stagnant, like to your mm -hmm. point, death. I mean, it's almost like you need to have an aspiration or hope to move, to do something. And so that really is the thing that propels you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that, I like that a lot. And that aspiration um, is related to that space, that open space that you're talking about. Yeah, like um, ideas of how to fill that, that opportunity. Yeah, yeah as, as a propulsion for sure. Well, I just think that this has been really interesting. I, I have to say, and I really, the very next thing I'm doing when I get off this phone call is I'm going to look for the name of that game. Like I'm totally- Oh, right. Cannot wait to look that up. But anyway, sorry. But I want to thank you so much for joining us, uh, Andy. You are amazing. It was so great to see you again. And Jenny, do you have anything you'd like to say before I close this out? Well, now I'm obsessed with wanting to find that game too. <laughs> <laughs> um, because I used to play it, but I, I think that it's such a great metaphor for our, our whole conversation. And, you know, I really appreciate like going into your world, seeing your art and hearing you and talking to us since you haven't talked to anyone. It sounds like in a few days. Yeah. Thank you so much. I've, I've really enjoyed it. And yeah, it, it is interesting that just me talking out loud makes me understand what I'm thinking so much better. You're talking to yourself, dude. Yeah, I do thing. all the time. <laughs> First of all, Andy, what is your website if anyone wants to go look at your at your work? It's andymilner.com, two L's. Excellent. Andymilner.com. <laughs> His work is absolutely beautiful. I hope you all have a chance to look at it because it's really something um, special. Um, to our listeners, thank you as well for joining us today. If you like what you heard, please be sure to subscribe. To learn what we're all about, visit us at themidnightramblings.com where you too can become a fansomniac. And of course, be sure to tell your friends because your support is necessary to make this thing take off. So for the Midnight Ramblings, this is Carrie Ofstein Rosenthal and Jenny Silverstein. Thank you again for joining us. We'll see you next week.